everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Mojo Radio Show. Thanks for your company. We appreciate you hitting the download button. We have got a truly great, great show. I know I say it every week, but this week's show is an absolute cracker. Uh, we have got a lot to cover off. Uh, before we get into it, what's the show all about? It's about finding people, just like today's guest, who we think are fascinating, really good at what they do, and that can help you get your mojo working in and out of work. And essentially what we're trying to do is just find people that we can interview and we can learn from, and we think they can help you, me, everybody, to be better at what they do and get their mojo working. And it's fair to say driving the show, the man behind the Ford F100 that is our console here in the Voodoo studio driving the Mojo Radio Show. Robbo, what's going on, buddy? Oh, you know, just cruising into another show. Looking forward to a big one this week. It's um, it's a really cool topic, isn't it? Mate, have you, um, you're sounding a bit dusty. You've been on the bourbon, <laughs> you've been on the, on the jack. No, I've been standing on the sidelines. <laughs> this is the result of... So, um, mate, you're always standing on the sidelines. Yeah, what do you mean, the sidelines? You mean with the boys? Yeah, no, not of life this time. On the actual physical sidelines. Yeah, um, that, this is the result of what three hours of screaming from the sideline will do on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, uh, we've got a great show ahead, so we're going to rip into it shortly. A couple of quick things. Um, Our new message service is Mm. pretty cool. Mm. So uh, we've now got an answering machine, kids. So we would love to hear from our listeners. Uh, We'll give you the phone number in just a second, Mm. and we'll also drop it into the show notes. But you can ring our phone number, leave a message... And uh, we will put you on the air. Mm. Uh, you can Bleeps tell and us. All. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> tell us uh, who you'd like to hear from. Uh, mm. Leave us a question, which we promise to answer. Yep. Uh, and if we don't know the answer, we'll make something up. That's right. um, what you loved about the show, how we can get better, recommendations for guests, just drop it on there. Uh, Bobo, that number is 96875900. And. O2 is the prefix. So we are in Sydney. Yeah. And if you're an international caller, it's 612-9687-5900. That's a good point, actually, because we have got a lot of overseas listeners mm, from Holland and South Africa mm. and New Zealand. And there's a lot of people in the States, the UK. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Anything with your 20 cents worth this week? I do. Let me just uh, let me just grab my 20 cents here. Robbo's 20 cents worth. I have been uh, doing a, a bit of reading about a very intelligent 20-year-old who's come up with this amazing idea to read our oceans of plastic. Mm. Um, he's taken the, um, taken the opinion that rather than getting out there and trying to physically with boats and nets and whatnot, try to physically clean up all this plastic. He's invented this idea of a static platform that has a big V-shaped scoop ranging out up to 100 kilometres on either side, basically constantly scooping the ocean, ocean's water as it's driven through with tides and winds and currents and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. Uh, it's all solar-powered and self-sustained and it's just a brilliant idea. It is a brilliant idea. This is... Um 
I know you sent me through the link, but um, what I find fantastic about this is that the when the idea came up, the kid was 17 years old. Mm. And he's having to deal with all the naysayers who mm. go, yeah, 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 yeah. But and this is, I think, what business leaders have to understand, that the generations coming through unhung up on all the barriers and ceilings yeah. and why nots. Because right. um, the guy who invented this, the young guy himself, Boyan Slat, he's a Dutch guy, he said, why move through the oceans if the oceans can move through you? Yep. So it's kind of taking everything we thought and spinning it completely around. Mm. Um, so we will put a link to this in the show notes, mm. shall we? Well, he's actually spoken at TED as well in 2012. Oh, right. So um, there's a YouTube clip of that, so we might stick that link up on there as well. We will. Mm. Uh, and I've got one little thing. You know how we had Denny Hemmingson a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, and he what a great song that called, was. Remember that? Truck Yeah? Yes, well, how could I forget? The number one fitness trend of mm. 2015 mm. is ruck year. Ruck it's called year. rucking. Right. Well, you know, I do that. Well, I coach that every week. You know, it's not hard. I can give you a few tips if you want. Body height low. Go past the ball. No hands. Use your feet. Well, you know how there's always going to be the latest trend or fitness fad, right? So what they've mm. done is they've looked at what the American soldiers are doing mm. um, and one of the things that you would have seen every movie that talks about American soldiers mm. and war and everything else, the Navy SEALs, mm. is they've said that if you go walking yep. and you stick on a backpack yep. with some weight in it, mm. it's called rucking. Right. And it crushes calories. So if you went for right. a normal 30-minute walk with the dog, mm. you would use around, I don't know, 125 calories. Mm. If, however, you put a backpack on mm. and put in a little bit of weight in it, it doesn't mm. have to be a lot, but a little bit of weight, mm. then you burn 325 calories. So it's 200 calories more for a 30-minute walk. So um, what's interesting about this is um, it kind of goes back to this primal notion that if you look at supposedly what the primal man used to do, but he would walk for ages looking for food. Mm. He'd find and hunt down a, 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 an animal of some description, then cart it, carrying heavy weights back to his cave. So yep. the thing I do like about this, though, is mm. it's kind of getting away from just going to the gym, just running, mm. just swimming, mm. to say, well, maybe there's a way to do stuff that's not as taxing on the body, mm. but can actually burn a couple of unwanted calories, mm. but just mm. put it into your regime that every so often you grab a backpack and go for a walk. So... Going back a good 25-odd years when I used to play rugby and I used to go running with a brick in each hand, could I could I bring that back around now and come up with a new exercise trend and call it bricking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll interview on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. I've got this great idea. <laughs> hey, you know, um, my fitness instructor at the gym is always, you know, talking about practical ways of, of getting a bit of extra exercise. And one tip I heard him talking to about with another one of his clients the other day was, you know, when we go to the shopping centre, we all fight to get the closest park to the to the um, to the doors. Yeah, he was saying find the furthest park you can yeah. on the highest level. Yeah, and yep. see what that does to the amount of exercise or steps you take in a day. And I just thought that was a brilliant bit of information. You know, I thought that was clever. Well, it, it is, and, and what's driving all this is um, these Fitbits and Garmin watches, all this stuff that counts your steps. Mm. And once you are counting your steps, mm. and if you are uh, typically people are very competitive and they need a goal, mm. but when you know that thing on your arm or your pocket or your foot is counting steps, if you mm. haven't taken those steps, parking 
plugging away on a higher level is a good way to quickly <laughs> get your steps up before you get to uh, to go to bed at night. So Absolutely. just um, one little thing, because we like to make this usable and practical. If you do want to try rucking mm. uh, in some way, at you know, to and from work or after work or in the morning when you walk in the dog, mm. how much weight should you put in? They're saying a good place to start is 10% of your body weight. So if you weigh 70 kilos, you would put seven kilos Mm. in the back of your backpack. So I thought it was um, interesting. If you want to start bricking, folks, just grab a brick, one in each hand, and off you go. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's it's not a lot different to what they call the farmer's walk, which is going back to what you talked about with footy training, with putting a brick in each hand. The farmer's walk is setting out a flat course of, say, 25 metres, picking up two dumbbells and walking with it, turning around and walking back. So this is all very standard uh, stuff Mm. that fitness people and primal Mm. advocates have been doing for a while, but now it's got a name to it, so someone's making money out of it. That's right. But I I think you're right, though. I think the point that you're trying to make is absolutely spot on is, you know, exercise can get so boring if you do the same thing day in and day out. You know, it's one thing you don't want a ritual with. Well, you want the ritual of doing the exercise, but the exercises you don't want ritualised. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, we should should get going, eh? We should. We've got a big show. The Mojo Radio Show. So this week's guest um, is a beauty, Robbo. Patria King... um, is a, a beautiful, beautiful lady that I met a number of years ago. We we did some speaking gigs together at the Day of Inspiration and some other bits and pieces around the country. And then as part of the Tour de Cure, uh, we visited uh, her Quest for Life venue down on the Southern Highlands. And Quest for Life is a place that people can go to when they're dealing with grief. And Patria King is the founding director and CEO of Quest for Life. Best-selling author, uh, you, many people may have heard her on ABC Radio with Richard Feidler doing many, many interviews. She's done CDs and she's a meditation expert, really most beautiful, wow. beautiful lady and helping hundreds of thousands of people in all different ways. Anybody who's seen her speak or has been down to Quest for Life to visit her will know that um, – She's extremely, extremely talented and got a great soul. And we've been very privileged on the Tour de Cure to be able to make a donation from time to time to Quest for Life to help her with her work. So, um, Patria King, uh, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Uh, It's lovely to be with you, Gary. It's actually lovely to have you um, on the line with us. Um, Just for our listeners, Patria, can you maybe take us back and walk us through your journey um, of the last number of years that have gotten you to where you are right here today? Yes, well, as you know, now we work with people dealing with a whole range of issues, including cancer and depression and anxiety and loss and grief and trauma and very challenging life situations. And I started that work because I had leukemia in 1983 and I was told that I wouldn't see Christmas of that year, which was only three months away. And my children were four and seven at the time. So um, also my brother had just taken his life not long before my diagnosis. So my family was already reeling with um, the loss of Brendan and then suddenly now the loss of a daughter. So it was very challenging. But as I started to work more with people who were also facing challenges, a lot of the other events in my life kind of came into focus as well. 
and I could see that they were all instrumental in me being where I am now and doing what I do. And that had included growing up with Brendan, who was, you know, he probably invented ADHD 20 years before anyone knew what that was. <laughs> and he spent his childhood setting fire to the house or on the roof or falling off or cutting himself or... He was very scary to grow up with for me, who was just a little bit younger than he. Before he was 10, he told me that he knew he had to take his own life by the time he was 30. And I took on the responsibility, even though I was only eight, I thought, that's why I'm alive, I'm here to keep him safe. And of course, I, I had Buckley's of being able to do that. When I was 11, I suddenly grew nine inches in one year, 23 centimetres, and my knees swivelled in and started dislocating and I could no longer walk. And I spent three years then in hospital, sort of three months at a time and then a month out, three months in, a month out uh, for the next three years. And um, where they reconstructed my legs and I was told I'd never walk again. And um, then I, I did, I... I I had a lot of grit and determination, I think, as a young person, and I taught myself to walk again. Um, I was raped when I was 17, and that was my first sexual experience, and my brother was attempting suicide on a regular basis, and then I became quite crippled with arthritis in my legs, uh, which led me into studying naturopathy and uh, herbal medicine, homeopathy, because I thought, surely there's something I can do to help myself. Um, I married some very strange people along the way, and that was, that was a, another learning in itself. I had a, a husband who was violent, and um, but out of that marriage came two gorgeous children uh, who are still very near and dear to me. Um, and... Then finally Brendan did succeed in taking his own life and not long after that uh, my husband and I had moved to America to do our yoga and meditation teacher training and after four weeks I thought he'd gone for a long walk but he'd actually gone back to Australia and leaving me somewhat deserted with two small children uh, in a geodesic dome in, in uh, California and then I was diagnosed with leukaemia. So in a way I was quite relieved because around life up until then, quite a struggle. And of course, that only lasted a short time before I was assailed with two things. One, how can I possibly leave my children um, who are so young and who's going to love them the way I can love them? And the second thing I was assailed with was I haven't lived yet. I, I haven't done what I know I came here to do. Be blowed if I know what it is, but I know I haven't done it. And so that was sort of the background of um, how I came to be doing the work that I do now. And I spent quite a long time in a little cave in a monastery outside of Assisi in Italy where a lovely old priest took care of me. And I spent 18 hours a day in this little cave meditating, praying, weeping, uh, fluctuating between the three, really. And finally... I found a good death and I wanted to bring that peace into my life with my children. And I, I lost the fear of dying because there are a lot of things worse in life than dying. Uh, losing everyone you love, losing your identity, um, being assailed with chronic pain, 
there are a lot of things that are very challenging to live with. And for many people, death can like a release from their suffering. Um, and grateful, of course, to be here and extremely grateful that more than 100,000 people have since shared with me their stories of their challenges, which range over a very wide area of illness and disappointments and disasters and all of the things that can befall people in life. Patria, that's the most incredible story. Um, when you were taking that time in the cave with that priest, do you remember the moment where you went from having to deal with all this trauma and probably a very dark part of your life to where you go to, you see the sunshine and you start, you made a choice to move towards that light. Do you remember how the dialogue changed in your, in your mind? Oh, I do indeed. I remember it very, very clearly. I was in the cave and I suddenly realised there's no one to blame. I could still, still be sitting there, um, a little pile of dusty bones now in the corner, saying it's not fair. It wasn't fair mm. that I grew up with Brendan, not fair. I had years in hospital, got raped, married all of those strange people, deal with chronic pain. It's not fair. But I realised there's no one to blame. And that if I was to find peace, that was up to me. And I wanted... I chose life. I chose peace. And when I say I chose life, that wasn't about not wanting to die because by then I realised that peace is not dependent on whether you're in a body or not. Peace is something that's within your own spirit and that it's, I knew that that wasn't something that I would lose through death. My preference was to live, of course, but if you're addicted mm. that I can only have peace if I live, you may be um, in a very sticky situation. So there are people listening to this podcast who maybe are in that place, know somebody who's in that place, or just want to know how to deal with it should these situations arrive. When things aren't going well, how, how do we heal our lives? I mean, I, I hear you, I've, I've worked with you, we've done speaking gigs together, I've read your books. You talk about healing one's life. What's the starting point and what are the steps we go through to start that healing process? I think there's a wonderful place that most people get to when they no longer want to be a victim of their circumstance. And we get to that fabulous place where we say, that's it, something has to change and it's me. I can't change, we call them the Ds, I can't change the disappointment, the drama, the disaster, the diagnosis, the death, the disability, the disfigurement, the disloyalty, the disagreement, the debt, the drought, the downpour, there are lots of Ds, you can't change that, <laughs> the doozies, <laughs> you can't change that, but what you can always change is how you're going to respond to that. And that's a real point of power because the challenge is, am I going to be defined by what has happened to me or can I be more than that? And I think when you get to that place, you realize that you actually have choice. When you feel a complete victim of a circumstance, you don't have choice. It's not fair. You don't deserve it. It should have happened to someone else. And you don't feel that you have any choice in that. When you get to the place of accepting that this thing, this 
vastly awful, horrible, unexpected, unthinkable thing has happened and you move to that place of acceptance where you may need to weep about it, write about it, talk about it until you can actually say, this happened to me and given that I'm a woman, a man in this circumstance, what's an appropriate response? not a reaction. Mm-hmm. So a reaction is something that we've done before that we do again in the present moment, whereas a response often takes us into new territory. So having dealt with 100,000-odd people sharing your story, sharing their stories at Quest for Life, can you, just for our listeners, just give us a, a, a quick background as to, you know, what is Quest for Life? Um, tell us about the facility um, and how... And maybe with that, the four quest group guidelines you use before each program, can you sort of wrap that up for us, Patria? Well, I'd always had a vision of creating a place where people who were in the midst of their crisis could come and find a safe and nurturing place where perhaps they could utter what has been unutterable up until now and where they could begin to find their own right answers to the situation in which they're living. And so our programs are not at all based on us telling people what we think they should do. They're based on neuroscience and they're based on uh, a lot of compassion and understanding, but also all the latest research that shows that uh, things like chronic pain, cancer, illness, depression, all of these things need to really approach the issue in a very holistic way that addresses the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual needs of people in a way that's relevant and useful for them. And so that means we need to listen to people's stories and to really hear without trying to fix it or change it or make it better, uh, without trying to make them wrong for feeling the way that they feel. And Sometimes when people really get us and we feel like, oh, that person understands, that person gets where I'm at right now, once we get to that place and have someone else witness our anguish and our distress, we're often then in a, a place where we're ready to move forward and we can't move forward until we feel that sense of safety. And in 1995, we moved to Bundanoon in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. And not long after, this beautiful retreat house came on the market uh, for $1.5 million. The Quest for Life Foundation, which was a charity that I started in 1989, uh, which was really named after my first book, which was also called Quest for Life, um, we had $15,000 in the bank at that time. We had the one and the five. We just needed a lot more zeros and commas. Um, These wonderful people came along who have always wanted to remain anonymous and they made available the funds so that the Quest for Life Foundation could purchase and refurbish so that it's wheelchair-friendly and warm and comfortable. And then those four guidelines that you were talking about, they really create a sense of safety of And the first of those is confidentiality. So what gets said here remains here. We agree not to take people's names or their stories outside of the the retreat or the program. Uh, We listen 100% when someone's talking, which means one person talking at a time. It also means really hearing the other person's experience rather than just my reaction to their experience. 
The third one is we don't judge or criticise. However a person feels, having someone say, oh, you shouldn't feel like that is never any help. And even with the feelings of rage and lust and envy and jealousy, some of the feelings that we'd all prefer perhaps not to own up to, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. And it's fine to feel anything. It's what we do with our feelings that really matters. And the fourth one is that we stay with how we feel rather than our theories about how things could be, should be, ought to be, or how our family, our doctor, society thinks things ought to be, but just how they are for each of us. And so those four guidelines create a very deep sense of safety and nurturing in the group and allow people really to bring to... Uh, consciousness and to express whatever's going on for them in their life. It's so powerful, Patria. You know, I'm sitting here hearing you talk about these guidelines and I could see them applying to a family, you know, a dinner table. I could see them applying to a, a corporate boardroom. I could see them applying to another charity in a board meeting. It's just, you know, there's so much power in that of people judging and and saying, you know, it's uncool to show your feelings and people just don't listen anymore. I mean, they just sit there waiting for their turn to talk. They're not really yeah. engaging. I think those those four guidelines are so powerful for so many yeah. applications. It's, it, it must be very humbling when people come into the property, take on those guidelines to see the changes that must happen in some people's lives. Oh, indeed it is. We see people arrive on Monday barely able to make eye contact with no sense of humour, so weighed down by the trauma and the things that have happened to them in their life and that over the space of five days and fabulous food and juices and good company and in a beautiful nurturing environment, by Friday the level of laughter and uh, joy and hope that people feel that now I've got a map for life, I can choose how I'm going to respond to the challenges that I have and they leave with a whole lot of very practical strategies and tools that they can utilise immediately in their life. And, and we see extraordinary healings take place sometimes and healing for me is about peace, not, not uh, just the physical body. Uh, but we do have a lot of people who were meant to die many, many years ago and they're still very much with us. And people who've had their family murdered, you know, imagine having your children murdered or, or killed. And to find peace after that is really an extraordinary victory of the human spirit. Uh, because if you really listen to people's story who may have been raped or sexually abused or physically emotionally abused in their childhood and it's still impacting on their life in their relationships as adults, for those people to actually find peace to me is extraordinary and is really testament to the enormous capacities of the human spirit when it's given the opportunity to express itself and, and also utilise very practical um, skills and tools in meeting the challenges that they do have in their life. And I think those four guidelines are, are actually really good guidelines for life that, uh, you know, when people tell you a story, let it stop with you. Don't use it as an yeah. opportunity for gossip. 
really listen to people. And now, as you say, I think we've become a generation that's looking at sound bites and uh, yeah. short sentences and grabs of things. And we're losing the capacity to have long and deep conversation about the things that actually matter in a person's life. Um, Patrice, something you just mentioned about people coming to you and or Quest for Life and they're coming down and something may have happened to their family or themselves or someone around them. Um, hearing you talk, I, I don't know how I would deal with those things, but I can imagine that a lot of those scenarios, a lot of those deeds, I'd come in with a, a great degree of anger. With your experience of dealing now with a hundred odd thousand people and hearing not only your own stories in your own mind, but the stories of others, how, how do you, is there, is there something that people can do when they're in a situation of either somebody cutting them off in traffic and they get the anger right through to, uh, you know, getting um, dismissed from work and they don't think it's fair, they're angry about it, right through to something happening to a loved one. Is there a, is there an immediate step we can take to deal with anger? Well, anger is a really healthy emotion to experience. But, for instance, with road rage or someone cutting you off in the traffic, what we do in a situation like that is load all of our unresolved uh, irritations into that moment. So we're not just dealing with that moment. We're dealing with all of the frustrations and the irritability we might feel around a whole range of other issues in our life and someone does that and it's like the volcano going off and we spew out a reaction out of all proportion really to the stimulus. So that's when a person is walking around with a whole lot of unresolved um, anger and frustration about other things in their life. But it's normal and natural to feel anger if you feel wrongfully dismissed or if you feel that uh, some injustice has been um, performed and, and that you feel really angry about it. But we need to find healthy ways of expressing that anger in ways that don't wound ourselves or other people. And nearly always behind anger, you'll find tears. And, of course, for some people, it feels far more powerful to remain feeling angry because it's a much more dynamic uh, sense of power than to feel sadness and grief and loss and, and distress because you feel rejected or abandoned or, or unjustifiably dismissed, um, you know, to get more into the feelings that lie beneath the anger. And for some people who don't have a lot of emotional literacy, they're not particularly comfortable with their feelings, it may very well be easier for them to keep on the mask of anger because it feels more powerful and more dominant than feeling sad and vulnerable. And breathing, of course, is a great remedy for most people. If you can just stop and take some long, slow, deep breaths and really bring yourself into the present moment and be aware of, you know, the, the touch of the chair against your body, your posture, the touch of your clothing, the air against your skin, all of the sounds around you, the things that fall within your sight, any taste in your mouth. If you bring yourself wholeheartedly into the present moment so that you don't speak from that place of anger, you don't act from that place of anger because you may very well say and do things that you later regret. 
And so using the breath as a way of just bringing yourself into a state of calm until that state of calm becomes your everyday uh, experience of living, that inner stability, that inner equilibrium. And then you bring that inner equilibrium to the chaos, the crisis, the challenge, the drama, whatever it is that's happening in your life, far better to bring your well-resourced self where you've cared for yourself physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually and then you bring your well-fluffed-up self to the challenge, to the disaster, to the crisis. Much better to do that than to bring your irritable, frustrated, overwhelmed, depressed, incapable self to the challenge. Tell, tell me a step that I could take immediately to improve my emotional literacy. I love that term. What's something that me, Robbo, anybody could do immediately to move toward that? I think the first thing is to stop labelling yourself as a feeling. So instead of I am sad, I am angry, I am happy, I am depressed, I feel all kinds of things. I feel angry, I feel sad, I feel depressed. Now, that might not sound huge, but it actually is because in time, uh, we need to watch out what we attach I am to because maybe I am consciousness, soul, spirit, awareness, uh, however you like to think of it, life, energy, and right now I'm feeling sad. It's not who I am, but it sure is what I am feeling. And there's a three-step process of if you... And identify the feeling. The second is to give yourself permission to feel that way. That's the one we have difficulty with. And the third one is to feel it with awareness. So it can go, this is how it feels to be a trigger feeling sad. It's okay to feel sad and this is how feeling sad feels for me. Uh, You know, where do I feel it in my body? Uh, On a scale of 0 to 10, how big a sadness is this? It's not who I am, but it is what I'm feeling in this moment because our feelings change all the time. Our mind changes all the time. And if we really want to find a peace that passes all understanding, it's to anchor our sense of self in that which is beyond change. And your body will change. Even if you live to 110, it will get saggy and baggy and wrinkly and grey and bits will fall off and not work. If you attach your sense of self to your mind, then your mind is changing all the time. Your feelings are changing all the time. And so the piece that passes all understanding is really to find that inner equilibrium that's undisturbed by the events of life and that can allow you to respond moment by moment with a quiet mind and an open heart. Robbo, that's gold. Cha-ching, absolute Cha-ching. gold. That is, um, that is so profound. I love that. I'm going to use that myself. Uh, I think it's just, just beautiful. Um, Patria, we know you've got a very busy day today. Um, are we able to get you back on again at some point in the future? Because yeah. I've got so much more stuff that. to talk. I'd love that. Any time at all, I'm very happy to speak with you. I know you've written, you've got a, a very, very good blog, which um, I'll put a link to in our show notes on our um, The Mojo Show website. Oh, thank you. Do you have a personal mantra? Um, no, I don't. Nature has always been a great teacher to me. Solitude is a great teacher to me. Um, and the people that I've been blessed to know over the last 31 years, and I didn't die, have been wonderful teachers to me. And so I'm very grateful for life. Practice of gratitude is very dear to my heart, being grateful for each moment above ground, really, because, um, you know, life is precious and sometimes we don't realize how precious it is until we've been through a lot of suffering. And suffering breaks us out of mediocrity 
and it calls on something deeper within ourselves. Uh, uh, and for me, that's been a great blessing. So um, I think to find a safe place where people can help you find your way, and whether that's through books or people are welcome to, of course, come to, to Quest, and we have uh, some funding and fundraising so that we don't turn anyone away on financial grounds. Uh, and, of course, there are lots of resources also on our website. That's why we're here. If we can be of any service to other people, then that gives us joy. Patria, can I ask you a quick question just on a personal level? With all the tragedy and loss that you've faced in your life so far, do you have you sort of come to a place now where you sort of think, well, there's nothing else there left out there that could possibly hurt me, that could not possibly get through my armour anymore? Oh, I don't feel I have armour. I feel that it's okay for your heart to break and my break, mind breaks on a regular mm. basis. So I don't feel armoured mm. in any way against life. And yes, I'm mm. constantly surprised by life and it doesn't mean that unexpected, unthinkable, unimaginable things still happen, but when they do happen, mm. it doesn't really penetrate uh, to that mm. deep sense of peace and inner equilibrium. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I practice what I preach and the things that we recommend for other people that they care for themselves physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually, uh, if I didn't do those things myself, then I'd be sounding like an empty drum that doesn't really go very far. Absolutely. So uh, it's really important yeah. that we live what it is that we're teaching. Mm. Patria, do you have a morning or evening ritual that you go through for you personally? Um, I have had periods in my life where, you know, I was up at 4am and had a whole lot of meditation and yoga and, and calligraphy and all kinds of different things. But now, uh, for me, my constant practice is really to come to my senses. Because the body's always in the present moment. It's never in the future. It's never in the past where the mind has a tendency to project into the future or chew over the past. Uh, so just to connect with what is, which is sound, touch, sight, the textures, the uh, breath, taste in your mouth, all of these things for me are very connecting to the present moment. And when you do that, your mind quietens down. And when the mind is quiet, we have access to creativity, intuition, insight, wisdom, humor, spontaneity, all of those things which we otherwise sacrifice if we're constantly projecting our fears, worries and concerns into the future or we're shaming, blaming or feeling embittered about things from the past. So coming to my senses and practicing gratitude I think would be my uh, most constant companion. Do you keep a gratitude journal? I've, I've certainly recommended a gratitude journal for many people just to write down five things for which to be grateful every night before they go to sleep. Um, I find now I, I kind of live in a state of gratitude so I, I don't go through the formal practice but it is a very useful practice for people. And on that becoming conscious or present with your senses, what's a, what's a specific tip or tool to help someone get in touch with their senses and maybe then create that as a new habit? Yes. Well, look, if you're fortunate to share a bed with someone else, then I would suggest start your day by looking at that person, by telling that person that you love them, that they're a treasure to you, and connecting deeply with someone that is very precious to you. That's always a good start to any day. If you don't have that, maybe just have a really long 
gorgeous stretch and feel what that's like in every cell of your body and do some deep breathing and just spend a few quiet moments before you reach for the phone, before you get out of bed, before anything else, just maybe setting an intention for the day. Today, I intend to practice gratitude or I intend to connect with three people in a meaningful way. They may be complete strangers, uh, but you're going to make eye contact. You're going to see into someone. You know, maybe set an intention for the day before you get out of bed and enjoy that luxurious stretch and take some deep breaths, set your intention for the day and do that before any other activity. And there's a lot more we'll have to talk about next time. Yeah, I think you've just opened a Pandora's box. <laughs> oh, no, it's fantastic though, Rob, because it's, it's, it's something you can specifically do. Like it's not just a philosophy or a thought. It's actually somebody can do those things. And when I walk into the studio tomorrow morning and look at you, look at you, my little flower, and tell you how much I treasure you, is that going to be weird, Robert? <laughs> no, I think it might be a little bit weird. Oh, it's funny, I was actually also thinking that for those people that don't have partners in bed with him, there's going to be a lot of dogs who get big cuddles and hugs tomorrow morning as well. <laughs> that sounds great too. That sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Patria. We will, we'll, we'll call you soon and continue our chat. Thank you so much. It's been great hearing you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. The Mojo Radio Show. I can't believe that one person could face so much tragedy in one lifetime, or not even one lifetime. That's insane. It is insane, Robert. I was making a list of that first little part of her dialogue with her backstory. Mm. Cancer, brother died, Mm. in hospital with leg challenges, Mm. rape, arthritis, marriage problems... Mm. And the list goes, and and honestly, to meet and sit with this lady, she is the most beautiful, warm, centered, spiritual, calming, empathetic, caring. It's um, and I think the point she made is she walks the talk, which uh, which is yeah. absolutely true. And I, I, we've got to get her back on because I had another two pages of things I wanted to go through, but uh, time got in our way. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? But um, we, as you say, mate, she'll be back. Yeah, it's good for us because we can get her back on again, mm. but um. There's another show taken care of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's another uh, good week. I think we're uh, we're done for this week, are we? Absolutely. Another one down. Done. Cheers. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.